You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Web Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Osell. I'm an architect at this.labs. Today, we are extremely excited to talk about Tailwind. Tailwind had a major announcement yesterday that they had just announced releasing their just-in-time JIT compiler uh, for their popular CSS framework, and we are going to be talking about that today. Joining me to talk about this is Hunter Miller. Hunter is a senior software engineer at this.labs. Hunter, how are you doing? Awesome. I'm so excited to talk about this today. We can hear it in your voice. Yeah. Um, also joining me is Lindsay Wardell, a software engineer at Thisdot and Views on View co-host, doing a little bit of a collab today. Lindsay, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me here. All right. So now before we dive in to this amazing topic about Tailwind and all the things that they've been doing and that we're all excited about, uh, first, we're going to do our sponsor. So our sponsor for today's episode is Cloudinary and their media devs community. Join the media devs community on Discord. They are a diverse community of developers and media developer experts, or MDEs, that share insight, expertise, and best practices using media technology in web and mobile apps. Join to chat with others or simply to hang out. Find out more at discord.gg slash media devs. So that's M-E-D-I-A-D-E-V-S. All right. So as I mentioned, we are talking about Tailwind and some of the most uh, some of the things that they've just announced literally uh, hours ago as of the recording of this podcast. So Lindsay, why don't you kind of get everybody up to speed? You know, what is Tailwind? Why are we talking about them today? What did they just announce? Sure. So for those who aren't aware, Tailwind is a utility first CSS framework. Uh, comparing it with something like Bootstrap or Bulma, Tailwind just provides you with basic classes like to, to apply padding or to apply colors, basic, basic things like that, and then lets you build out your application or website as you need. So rather than presenting you with full components, it's just giving you utility classes to get the job done. The recent announcement from Tailwind is around a just-in-time compiler. And in this case, the just-in-time comp compilation is providing you with the actual classes that you're using in your uh, application rather than having to load every single class that Tailwind provides. Um, for, for context, Tailwind creates in development a CSS file that has every single class available to you so that when you're in development, everything is there. It's already loaded. During production build, it will use something like purge CSS to take out all the classes that you don't use. And then your CSS file in production is much smaller. But in development, it's huge. I believe Adam Wathen said it was at least 12 megabytes easily. And then if you turn on additional features or add plugins, it can get even larger, especially if you use something like dark mode. So the just-in-time just compilation provides a way that you don't have to load an entire 12 megabyte file into your development environment just to get work done. It's running the compilation of the classes you need as you're writing the code. Um, in the YouTube video that Adam uploaded and shared on Twitter yesterday, he, he demonstrates if you just add a basic class, it takes 11 milliseconds. And the class is generated, the CSS is there, and you're able to keep going on your day. 
So that's, that's the huge announcement that came out recently. It also gives some additional functionality to Tailwind because on, on the development side of Tailwind, they're not worried about giving you a CSS file that's too large. So they can do things that weren't possible before in the development environment. Um, but we'll get into those features. Um, do either of you want to say anything before we keep going? I think it's a big win um, for the purge side. Like this helps with not losing any classes um, since everything's just done, you know, just in time. Like they're they're reading it for you already. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like a lot of people said yesterday with the announcement is sort of why, you know, why should I need something like this? And it's both a really good question, but in some ways it's also kind of the wrong question, right? Like I think the reason why people ask that is they hear um, sort of this type of release as being a um, solution in search or excuse me, you know, like searching for a solution to a problem that didn't need to exist basically. And, you know, why did we have a 12 megabyte CSS file? Why don't you people just write normal CSS and just be done with it? You people said this was supposed to be good. And I think some people just didn't realize just how much flexibility Tailwind gives you. Now, they've accounted for a lot of this by putting it all behind modules that you have to enable. But, you know, Adam's right. If you go in there and you try to use a little bit from a bunch of different modules, that basic development experience is, it's not that it's, too much for your development situation necessarily, although it does have issues with with uh, your build, your bundlers, but that it was it was actually like breaking the browser. The, the browser right, was unresponsive. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not even that having those keys is a problem because it's really cool. You get to do a lot of stuff inside the HTML or inside of DevTools, adding classes to certain things and seeing some sort of live design updates. People really liked that ability to like whip up really quick POCs, but you know, unfortunately, it's something that people needed to have a way around. You know, there was kind of no escape hatch for this in the development world, and this sort of gives the community some way to do that. So you can have all the options turned on, uh, give up a little bit of flexibility in the live profiling, um, and uh, but still get a fast development sort of experience. And I think that's what's super excited. I think if anybody encountered these issues in production, they're super excited about it. Um, and I know Adam's just excited to not have to constantly worry about the fact that he was about to cripple Chrome and the Chrome dev tools. Yeah, I, I use Tailwind on my personal site. Uh, I use a Nuxt website that is statically generated. And in development, um, I'm using Tailwind with dark mode and some custom colors. And those were the kinds of things that Adam called out specifically in the video, uh, saying that they generate a lot of extra CSS. Uh, and I did a quick test before the, this recording where I ran my, my initial load time of the development environment without the, the just-in-time and with just-in-time. Without the, the just-in-time uh, generation, my startup time was about 38 seconds. And I was using you know, a substantial amount of RAM. Uh, Nuxt.js provides that for you. With just-in-time development, my initial startup time was six seconds. And I was using 20% wow. uh, yeah. less RAM just to start up my dev environment. I wasn't even doing anything. Like It's not, it's not a complex site. That's but incredible. The statistics I was seeing just in my own personal experience were very, very welcome. Uh, it was definitely one of those experiences where I start up my dev environment and go get a coffee or something. 
<laughs> right. But now I don't need to worry about it. It's It just starts up and I can get to work. So another topic that this you know brought up in the community, of course, is I think Tailwind, uh, depending on who you are and how online you are, you either still haven't heard about it, in which case, you know, we're glad that you're here and hopefully some of the things you hear get you excited to practice it and try it out. Uh, but you might feel that Tailwind is a bit overexposed at times. People are very excited about it right now. Um, and so that was sort of another topic that sort of spawned from this is, okay, well, if I'm going to buy that this just-in-time compiler is a big deal that I should care about, why should I, you know, why is Tailwind such a good idea to even justify that? So Hunter, when you kind of think about Tailwind, the cases that you've used it, you know, what is it about Tailwind or the promise of utility CSS that's really excited you or been something that you've enjoyed using on projects, either personal or at work? I could fill up this whole podcast, <laughs> so I'll try to keep it short. But um, so I think the biggest, I was trying to think about this earlier, um, a concise way to say this, but there's just everything at your fingertips within two double quotes. You can do all of CSS almost. It's very close, especially with this Jade IET. Um, and the speed that that gives you and like the reduction in like brain usage from having to come up with a name, go type it in on the CSS file, come back, make sure you typed it in right, like, you know, spelled it correctly when you came back. Um, all of that kind of goes away and you have this standard set of classes. And not only that, but if you go to another project, it's the same classes. <laughs> so it's just this, this giant like standardization that just honestly, it's, it's gotta be at least like a 10 X speed up. I'm not saying this makes you a 10 X developer. That's a whole nother thing, but <laughs> <laughs> it makes your like designs so much easier to create. There's just a lot less friction. Right. So, you know, one thing that's interesting to me about tailwind is a lot of people focus immediately in on the, the look of the glyphs, the classes themselves in the HTML. And I, I mean, I'll give anybody, it's a little bit that you have to get used to. Actually, it's a lot bit that you have to get used to, especially because some of them don't read as you might expect. Uh, but I look back at the first time I learned about BEM and um, was it block element model modifier. modifier. And so, uh, so the first time I saw BEM with the, the, the hashes or the, the kebabs and the underscores or the dashes. And I said, that is so hideous. Why would anybody choose to write this on purpose? Yeah. And it took a while to learn that like beyond the aesthetic, there's a really valid use case that's being solved for in that scenario. And I think Tailwind is very similar. So I'll tell you a story. So I worked with uh, a team once and we were really struggling with productivity related to CSS. And so I pitched uh, this idea of bringing in sort of a design system. Now, not a full design system as people might think of it now, but something that was much more like a precursor to Tailwind. I like this idea of saying, hey, we're going to use kind of these ideas of margin. We're going to use these ideas of padding, these font sizes, these font styles. And uh, I remember telling that and pitching that to, to a bunch of designers, and they immediately rejected it. They said, are you kidding me? You want me to learn this? And then I have to make this always match up in all my designs. And how they actually turned around and fell in love with this idea is that 
it turned out to be the opposite. They could develop without having to worry about the pixel perfection of their designs in the spec because they knew the developers were going to take the closest design system value that matched or looked like the design. So suddenly it went from the designer spending like an hour or two a day just dealing with de uh, developers asking, hey, is this meant to be 16 pixels or 17 pixels? Is this one rem or is this 1.125 rem? It switched into just being like, oh, thanks for the design, that matches. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize with what Tailwind enables and why I love it so much is that it gives you kind of like that really easy way to build your own design system. Like it's extremely customizable, has default values, but you can very easily turn them into the values that matter to you more so than any other utility framework that I've had experience with historically. Um, and that's why I think Tailwind and things that are like Tailwind, it's not the only one, are so promising. How about you, Lindsay? Why, you know, why does Tailwind kind of excite you? Why do you use it on your personal projects? I mean, what you described is exactly why I use it. I, I feel like Tailwind provides a set of sane defaults and a, a default design system that I'm able to implement in my own way across my website. And, but with the configuration that it provides, I can add my own custom colors. I can add any plugins that I need. Like dark mode originally was not a built-in to Tailwind. That was a plugin, but now it is. So I'm I'm able to use that to build the the system that I want across my own website, and I mean we were just talking about BIM. One of my my favorite things about Tailwind is it doesn't lock you into using classes across all of your HTML. That's what it prefers. That's what it's trying to evangelize, if you will. But they don't they don't require it. You can you can use an add apply method. I'm not sure what to call it in Post CSS. To, to inject it into classes. And then you can build your classes like normal and still rely on Tailwind's sane defaults of how, how a P4 should be or a P6 or what have you. All of that is able to be applied to your, your classes. And you can use BEM, you can use um, object-oriented CSS, you can do whatever and build out your own system based off of Tailwind. It doesn't lock you into a particular path. And that I feel is, incredibly powerful. It gives you a path if you want to follow it, but you can still take it in your own direction. All my favorite frameworks are like that. <laughs> Good defaults, don't lock you in, extremely customizable. You know, it's just like, a, I hate the feeling of being trapped. I think that's what it is. It's like, you get down to this like nitty gritty detail, like, oh, I just need this one thing. And then you have to like, unravel some horrible mess that you got locked into. And I almost never feel that way with Tailwind. Maybe I have once, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that it, um, what's super interesting about it is that um, a lot of times when, in the way that I used to do CSS before, now again, there are a lot of good ways to manage the complexity of CSS. Right, I, I love the inverted triangle, IT CSS stuff. Um, I actually was a pretty big fan of object-oriented CSS, really come around on BEM, as I mentioned earlier. I, I think there are a lot of ways to manage complexity in CSS. And as Lindsay said, Tailwind isn't even incompatible with some of those others. I think what's been unfortunate is somewhere along in the messaging, and I think Tailwind, the team, might have done this to themselves to some degree. Tailwind started to get marketed as like CSS for people that don't like CSS or like Tailwind solves the problems in CSS. And that's a complete 
misnomer. <laughs> At the end of the day, Tailwind is CSS. Um, you have right. to know all the rules, and all the rules still apply. It does not escape anything. And in some ways, you know, it's it's less of an escape from CSS than maybe even SAS or some of the other uh, comp compilers are. So, in my mind, Tailwind is not a fix for the worst parts of CSS. It's a fix for the worst parts of how people manage their CSS. Because in my experience, it's like if a project gets sufficiently large enough and people have been trying to do um, semantic CSS and semantic classes, you get to a point where you want to change a certain class's style and you just lose track of what the impacts are. And you either choose to never change anything and just keep getting into a specificity war with yourself or you choose to just YOLO change it and just wait for the tickets. Now, I know there's ways to solve all those things, but like that's where teams were going a lot of times beforehand. Um, and that's what I like with Tailwind is that, it, and, and just utility CSS in general, is that it forces you to start first at just styling it, let the patterns emerge. And that, that's, you know, that's kind of, to me, again, it's not solving CSS problems, it's solving CSS management problems. Um, that's what's so appealing to me about it. I agree. I I often, when I'm working in another framework, either something like Bootstrap or Vuetify or you know any any of the other CSS frameworks that are out there, I will regularly go to the Tailwind docs just to look up how to do particular things in CSS. I mean, the the docs are fantastic for that, and being able to reference things using the the basic utility class that C that Tailwind provides is extremely useful. Um, what I, I was going to say to to what Hunter was commenting on, there have been times again, Bootstrap or Beautify, where I've been locked into a particular path, and it's really difficult to to back myself out. But with something like Tailwind, where it's all utility, I can manipulate the the HTML and the CSS and fix the the problem that I've backed myself into a lot a lot easier at least. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you know. That's another thing is that you know Bootstrap, for example, gets brought up a lot with utility CSS because again, it's not like Tailwind invented utility CSS. This is a solution or a strategy that's existed for a long time. But unlike sometimes with Bootstrap, where you can see a Bootstrap app and you go, ah, that's a Bootstrap app, they let you override a lot of that stuff, so it can be almost as customizable. But like, other than looking at the HTML, you can't really go, that's a Tailwind app, uh, because it doesn't kind of come with that extremely opinionated default look and feel. Uh, it gives you the, I mean, because it just gives you so many classes. <laughs> it's not like there's Tailwind BG primary uh, type of thing, like background primary color or something. It's not opinionated in that way. That's the other reason I like it over maybe something like a bootstrap, which I think is extremely good. And I still use on side projects when I uh, prefer to have that level of opinionatedness, but uh, Tailwind doesn't. And I think that's why it's a little bit easier to put on projects without bringing in some of the stuff that maybe your designers don't want on the team or in their, you know, in their look and feel. Right. And I think like you were talking about earlier, that property of emergence is, you know, exactly it. Like they're not telling you, oh, we know that you're going to need this little chunk of pattern that emerged from us. It's like, no, you just like have your own classes and let them kind of Co coalesce into you know whatever component needs to be there um and especially with the jit like there's some really the fact that you can 
like you almost never have to write and apply ever again, or like a custom CSS class, um, which is probably something that I'm looking forward to the most about this is that like, there have been times where I just needed that little tiny tweak. And, you know, I'll go write like a snippet of CSS to, to cover. But now it's like, I could probably just write it in the class string and like, it's all good. <laughs> so I think, yeah, Hunter, I think what you're talking about is the the other sort of feature that goes with this is this ability to use kind of square brackets now with some of the normal uh, tailwind modifiers to kind of give custom values. So instead of it just being like margin Y5, you know, you could do MY and then like in brackets, three pixels or something, you know, whatever the value right. is that you want. And it would be able to sort of parse that part out and create a, a rule that behaved the way that you expected. Now, I think this is super interesting. Now, Lindsay, have you played with CSS that's sort of structured in this way or another utility framework that's been this way? Like, have either of you had experience actually using this in um, an actual application? I've used it a bit using Windy CSS. Uh, for those who aren't aware, Windy CSS is another utility framework um, that's very opinionated. and provides a very similar style to Tail Tailwind. In many ways, it's it's evolved from what Tailwind was trying to, to produce in the, in the development environment. And one of the nice things they did was, let's go with just like a padding of three, P3, P-3. Uh, if you wanted to make a slightly custom padding, you could do P-3.2, and it would derive what the next value would be if you did a 3.2. And same thing for values that didn't quite exist. So if you wanted to make your font size 4XL or 5XL or 7XL or 12XL, it has an algorithm inside to determine what that specific value is going to be, which is really cool. Um, and it also provided a way, like, like you were saying, with the, uh, with the brackets in Tailwind, it provided a similar thing where you could do a dash and then say 50 pixels. So padding of 50 pixels. And you just say that right in your, your HTML in the class attribute. And I think that's an excellent way to go. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that there is competition in this space that everyone is kind of, uh, what's the right word? Building on top of these same ideas. So yeah, that- inspiring each other, yeah. Yeah, everyone's inspiring each other. And there's, I mean, there's a number of utility CSS uh, frameworks out there. I think Atomic CSS is one that Adam Wadland has, has noted inspired Tailwind. Um, there's Particle CSS, Windy CSS. So it, it's really cool that everyone's kind of working in the same space and trying to push this frontier. So Hunter, the thing that I'm curious about though is I, I saw this feature and I was both really impressed by it and thankful for it. But then I also was like, wait, I just got done selling one of the big advantages of Tailwind is that it stopped you from putting arbitrary values into your CSS and, and it made you be constrained to a discrete set of values. Now, are we going to enter into an age where Tailwind just turns into everybody doing, you know, hard-coded CSS in line, but through Tailwind classes? Like, why, you know, why does this excite you? Why does this fit? Why does this not violate kind of the architecture of Tailwind in your mind? Like, why is this still an exciting thing and not kind of undoing the magic? Well, I will certainly say, I hope we don't get to that point. <laughs> I think because, I think, first of all, and Adam said this, he made it look ugly with the brackets, which I wish he would make it uglier. Like it should be like dangerously set inner HTML in React because like it should be the exception. 
Um, and hopefully people respect that. I think it'll just be easier from an over, like a thinking perspective. Like it's, I already know what P dash six is. That's way easier than to like compute it and then try to type brackets and stuff. So I think there's enough like friction there that hopefully this doesn't, um, you know, get people into trouble. But, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Um, I'm excited because I think this like just unlocks Tailwind, just that last little leg that maybe it was missing. Um, and so now you can like really refine your designs. I think designers will appreciate this a lot because um, sometimes you can feel very constrained within some of those systems. It's like 80 to 90% case, it's best to use those systems, but then there's some magic in, you know, tweaking some values and making them a little off. Um, that kind of provides intrigue and novelty and stuff like that for the user. So I think it's a welcome change and people, if they can not abuse it, it'll be great. Otherwise they'll just have to look at their own, you know, mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I think if it gets used in, in small quantities, like Adam gave a couple good examples of having to shift an image using a transform or having to add in the Twitter color for the, the link back to Twitter. I think those are great examples of when to use the, the custom tag as, as opposed, or not a custom tag, custom class, as opposed to building that into your Tailwind config and letting Tailwind handle it for you. Um, but if you're gonna build your whole design system, I would point somebody at using the Tailwind config still. I think it's great for trying it out or one-offs, but Hope, like like you were saying, Hunter, hopefully we don't end up with, with brackets everywhere in everyone's classes. Well, I mean, you'd be surprised even amongst the teams that I've worked on and work with that how, how, how pervasive still this idea of pixel perfection is. Um, and in some ways, it's almost like, you know, because of all this pandemic stuff, we're, we're all now experts in what are like lagging indicators and leading indicators. So one of the lagging indicators of pixel perfection is that it's it's still in like the leadership level. So like leaders and like uh, CTO styles and directors, they'll sometimes see designs and they'll go, ooh, I want this to look exactly the way that it looked in this, you know, Photoshop production that I got. And so I just think in general for devs that are listening to this, whether you use Tailwind or you don't, is... Uh, if you ever find yourself really wondering whether something was intended to be 16 pixels, 17 pixels, or 1.125M, that you may be asking some of the wrong questions. <laughs> uh, because our apps are going to grow, shrink, and otherwise. And there is just no way to create pixel perfection outside of the exact same form factor that the Photoshop image was created in, and sometimes not even then. Uh, because sometimes even just the rendering in, in, in browser engine is different. Very true. So, <laughs> right. So like, I, I guess that just goes back to confirm that when you are using these escape hatches, please do use them and scrutinize them um, the same way you would any other type of workaround or, or, or hack. But it's good now that there is a way for people that otherwise would have said, well, ugh, do we really have to create a new config entry just for this one use of this one value? Exactly. Or they might say, well, that means we can't use Tailwind at all because I need 17 pixels on this page and you're not giving it to me. So tear it out. <laughs> and like, it sounds silly, 
But sometimes people end up in situations like that, uh, either due to dysfunctional management or, you know, whatever else. So I definitely have been. And <laughs> I will say, on the one hand, it is quite awful. But on the other hand, it is a good way to sharpen your CSS chops. <laughs> you will learn how to do any like hack in the book to try to get something looking exactly like that Photoshop mock, which kind of a good thing, but mostly a bad thing. Um, I think you're right. Like, we shouldn't be chasing this pixel perfection. There's too many, too many device sizes, too much uh, variance in environments and things like that. And I think using something like this is almost a direction, like a, it's kind of guiding that movement. I feel like this also leans into the, the convention versus configuration debate where I, I know that if I put in this color into this BG class, then I can use this. I don't need to go and configure it either in Tailwind config or in my own CSS file. Is, I, I mean, I've worked on a, a Tailwind project where we ended up having a custom CSS file too, where it's just a whole bunch of our own utility classes that didn't quite fit into what Tailwind was offering. And this provides a way to avoid that if you want to go the full utility first uh, approach. So I want to pitch you guys, and I'm going to swear your pitch pitch you all this idea, and I, I want to swear you all the secrecy, okay? And definitely, there's nobody else listening but us. Uh, but here was a thought I had when I was watching the video of Adam when he was sort of teasing this this uh, just in time compiler. He was on the one pane, one side of his monitor, typing in uh, these classes into HTML, and on the other monitor, he was seeing the output CSS file that was being spit out of the compiler. What occurred to me immediately and seemed super interesting is the potential educational applications of this. Because Tailwind may be easier for people to understand or play with at a, at a basic level than learning the CSS rules and applying them and trying them. And they, and you know, Tailwind has that like prototyping feel to it. Teach people, hey, here are the building blocks. Just start throwing them places and see what that does. But then to see what the resultant CSS is, especially when you get to things like the uh, media query uh, stuff or the hover stuff or dark mode, being able to see what your Tailwind classes convert into in CSS could be a really cool way to learn CSS concepts that maybe you didn't know before and just see the practical effects of what you're doing on the result in CSS. I don't know, your thoughts like, or should we should we run off and do this right now or what? Um, I I kind of agree with that. Like, there's always something nice about having two things going at once, where like you're doing some easier to use, like action or whatever. Um, you know, like UX wise, it's easier. And then at the same time, you kind of get the behind the scenes look. Um, and I think you're right. This might be a little more approachable. I feel like some people might debate that. Um, but I do think it's like a cool way to show off CSS in real time. And I think that's what you're getting at. What do you think, Lindsay? I agree. I think using Tailwind as a way to kind of learn bridge that gap between 
I know of CSS too. I really understand how to use CSS. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it, especially with how quick the just-in-time compilation is. Um, I've seen a couple other tools even that, that lean in that direction, Rob, where you can, you can start messing around with the Tailwind classes and suddenly you're, you're seeing the, the result. You're understanding exactly what it is you're doing and, and how it's working ideally. Great. So, you know, we're coming up near the end and I thought I would be remiss if I didn't include my slightly spicy take about Tailwind that we were discussing yesterday, which was, I sort of quipped in a, in a channel that um, 2020 uh, Tailwind advocates kind of have the feel of 2018 TypeScript evangelists. And when I first thought of that, I thought, I said, such an interesting thought. Um, and I don't mean anything negative by it. I think, you know, in 2018, uh, I came from a more typed background. I, I used to be a C-sharp developer before JavaScript. When I first saw TypeScript, I fell in love instantly with it. Um, but what started to happen in 2018, 2019 is as adoption was rising, people were falling in love with it and they were running out to other frameworks, to other libraries, to other open source authors and pounding on their issue tickets and saying, oh, we need TypeScript support. I need type support. Add it to your, you know, app. why isn't it updated? Or they would... I redone your entire app in TypeScript, right, unsolicited. And I think it became just, and it might to some extent still be the bane of a lot of open source maintainers who were just like, I, why did this happen to us? And I think in some ways, from what I'm hearing from some of the uh, big community figures, is it, it tends to happen a lot with Tailwind now. People are getting, you know, they might say, oh, look at this really cool thing I did in BEM or this new CSS project and someone goes, well, what about Tailwind? <laughs> or they say, you know, I really love <laughs> Bootstrap or something. And someone goes, well, yeah, but what about Tailwind? And, uh, you know, I just think that's sort of an interesting development. Now, you know, spoiler alert, it worked for TypeScript. Uh, TypeScript ate the web. Um, you know, will Tailwind eat the web? Maybe. Uh, but I mean, y'all's thoughts on just sort of in general, uh, people's excitement about Tailwind um, and maybe other people's sort of like, not as much excitement about Tailwind and how people should sort of proceed in the community uh, with with those. I love this analogy. I think you're spot on that the the same action that people are take used to take with type typescript and still do is exactly what's going to happen with utility classings and tailwind in, uh, as a specific example. Um, there's even a, a Chrome plugin out there. I think it's a paid one that will let you select an element in the DOM and tell you how to make that element with TypeScript. So you can take a bootstrap website and be like, yeah, that's how I do that exactly in, in TypeScript. Um, or not in TypeScript, in Tailwind. Tailwind. I'll yeah. start with T's. Uh, I, I definitely see that as what is going to happen. Will it eat the web? Maybe not, but I definitely think it's gonna have a lasting impact on how websites are built and how CSS is viewed in the community. Yeah, I think I think y'all are both on it, and I don't know like in, in what shape um, those requests will come from. You know, it's probably just going to be like, is this library compatible with with Tailwind? Um, and you know, there's things like uh, headless components, and like I think we'll see a lot more of those um, because those can accept anything, whether it's Tailwind or something else. 
Um, and I think this like overall, you you kind of mentioned the uh, Chrome extension, but there's there's something um, someone built recently that was Figma, basically for Tailwind, and I kind of see that as like the next logical step, which is um, I have a feeling maybe the Tailwind team is going to build something like that because now they have the JIT, they don't have to worry about oh does this class exist already when I'm doing some kind of dynamic designs in the browser. They could literally just use the JIT <laughs> and build your classes out. So I don't know, I think we'll see some very interesting things. And I wanna say just one thing about like, um, there is no right or wrong way to do CSS. I think people, you know, there's like, it's kind of like carpentry, like some people just wanna use old hand tools and like there's a craft in that and, you, if you're really good with them, you can make some amazing things. And it's the same thing with CSS. Like some people need power tools because they just need to build houses and like be done with the day. <laughs> and then some people need to make like these super artful things. Um, so, you know, use what you're comfortable with or what your team's comfortable with. Because I mean, that's really what matters, I think. As a, as a quick example of uh, the evangelization of Tailwind-like classes, um, I was working on a team that was using Bulma as the, the CSS framework. And I, at one point, just imported a whole bunch of the, the Tailwind Flex classes into our, our root CSS file. And at first, people stared at me and was like, why would you use that? But then they started using it as opposed to the, the Bulma columns or Flex stuff that was there. And they started to really get it and understand it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if people just start injecting it, you know, just, just bits and pieces, not the whole Tailwind uh, framework, but just bits and pieces like, hey, this is what Tailwind does. And I also agree on the uh, the headless components. On Views on View, we've interviewed people that are building uh, component libraries like uh, View Tensils or View Formulate. And View Formulate in particular, when it, with its version 2.0, I want to say 2.0, 2.1, uh, came out with a Tailwind compatible build so you can inject Tailwind classes that's into awesome. <laughs> its styling. So I, I definitely think stuff like that is coming for the future. I think that's the way things are going to go. And I, I just think it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've still got scars from the framework wars. I was, I was around for the framework wars and it's not a fun environment to be playing around in. I think in general for the community, you know, if somebody else says that they don't like tailwind, I think it's, maybe fine to respectfully engage in a dialogue, see what things they're interested in, maybe just share you, but consider maybe just sharing your story about why you like it. And it doesn't have to be on every single thread that you see where somebody talks about right. Tailwind. It could be on your own blog and you share that periodically to try and evangelize in that way. I know a lot of people were really trying to get a lot of Tailwind support in things like Create React App and you know the Vue CLI and the Angular CLI. And that's good, but you know what else is good? Again, writing either your own code mods, your own uh, formulas, or your own blog stating how you develop those things. So there are ways that you can channel your enthusiasm uh, that are that that help more people and maybe annoy fewer. And I think, like we said, there are there's room, as Hunter said, for there's room for all sorts of different technologies, um, even in the utility CSS space. That's what's interesting is I sometimes hate that Tailwind is 
become like Google, right? Like it's become, it's, it's both a noun and <laughs> like a verb, like to tailwind something. And, you know, utility CSS as a pattern will exist beyond tailwind and it existed before tailwind. Tailwind is a really good implementation of the pattern um, and a really passionate team and community behind it. Uh, but, you know, if you don't like Tailwind's particular flavor of it, there are many other types of utility libraries that might have a different approach or a different spin on the concept that does fit with you and fits with your team. You know, it's just worth keeping up with these things. But if you're sitting here and you're going, wow, I never even knew Tailwind existed. Utility CSS, that's beyond me. I, do I need to learn this? Am I a bad developer if I don't know this? You're fine. <laughs> you don't need it. I mean, read about it, look, check into it. It is really fun. It's really cool to play with, but it is not by any stretch of the imagination, a blocker for being a successful web developer in 2021, whatever year it is these days. All right. Any last thoughts for you all before we, before we wrap things up? I think that covered it. Yeah. I'm just excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, yeah. Don't, don't, uh, go quip on everybody's posts, you know, just keep it to the chest. <laughs> the future is looking classy. Ooh, ooh, that's yeah, good. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this modern web podcast on Tailwind and the just-in-time compiler and all of the fun things that come from that. Thank you to my co-hosts, Lindsay and Hunter. As always, the conversation does not stop here, and we don't want it to. So you can find Lindsay on Twitter at Lindsay K. Wardell. So that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-K-W-A-R-D-E-L-L. -L. You can find Hunter on Twitter at H Miller Dev. That's H-M-I-L-L-E-R-D-E-V. And you can find me online at RoboCell. So that's R-O-B-O-C-E-L-L. -L. We'd love to talk to you about Tailwind or anything else that's on your mind about the things that you heard here today. Uh, as for the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com or on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. And as always, thank you as well to our sponsor, Cloudinary, and their media dev community. Definitely check that out. And we'll see you all next time. So bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs.